This one's interesting. Um, Melanie Jolie, who is our country's foreign affairs minister, um, has been thrust into the spotlight with everything that's going on in Eastern Europe. And I think, you know, it, it, overall, I think she's done an okay job. I, I, I think she has. I think it's, uh, you know, you talk about extraordinary circumstances and you learn a lot about a person. And I think she's been, she's been capable. She's been adequate. She hasn't, um, you know, been a disaster. She has, I, I don't know. She's been good. She's been okay. She has, I mean, you're going to have the odd misstep. And she had one this week, I think. Or, or did she? This is what we all want to talk about. Uh, she really ruffled some feathers, whether you agree with her or not. Uh, she was on CTV's Power Play this week when, um, well, she said this. Listen. Canada has played its role to support one of its best friends, which is Ukraine, because of her people-to-people ties, because of our common history, but because it was the right thing to do. And we'll continue to work with our uh, G7 countries uh, partners, because we all know that Canada is not a nuclear power, it is not a military power, we're a middle-sized power, and what we're good at is convening and making sure that diplomacy is happening, and meanwhile, convincing other countries to do more. Now, a lot of people were very upset with the whole, hey, we're not a military power, we're a mid-sized power, we're not good at that, we're good at convening, we're good at diplomacy, um, former generals speaking, a lot of people got very upset. So uh, we're going to get some insight on that. We're going to chat now with Richard Shamuka, who's a senior fellow with the McDonald laurier Institute. Uh, Richard, thanks for your time today. appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, right after the comments, a couple of Canadian generals spoke out with media saying, you know what, this is insulting to our troops. Uh, they were giving a very spirited defense of the troops, uh, especially the troops' pride. But, I mean, I understand their point, but is this really about the troops, do you think? Uh, Miss Jilly's made similar comments in the past. Uh, so I, I kind of feel this may be slightly a gaffe, but also slightly telling at the same time. Uh, I think the way she put it is probably inarticulate. Yeah. Probably the way I would I would I probably characterize it. She's made comments before uh, a couple months ago. She said, or a month ago, I should say, she said something to the order that uh, our allied nations come to us as the kind of the to understand what's going on in Ukraine. And uh, I think she, so. That kind of reflects that similar kind of uh, sentiment. At the same time, if you understand how the sort of international discussions have been going on. Uh, I don't really get the sense that's really accurate. I think that's her trying to play this up to the Canadian populace that we're doing something, we're playing a role, whereas, you know, we're basically on the kind of the outside of the circle of people or circle of countries that are trying to really deal with this. So I think she's trying to, like, make it out that we're doing something more, but in reality, we're... We're not the biggest player in this by any stretch of the imagination. Well, that's the, that's the aspect to it. You know, it may be hard for some people to hear, and I, and, I, and I understand that. But at the same time, there's some truth to what she's saying. I, I, we're not a military power on the global stage. I mean, that's just a fact. Yeah, but I think that's also partly of, you know, the last couple governments making, so to speak. Right? Absolutely. I think if you look at the current state of the military... It's pretty atrocious, and it's it's a pretty sad situation, given this you know the the history of the armed forces. And I think that's where the the generals you see are pretty upset. It's not just specifically what you said, but the track record that has kind of played to this moment where you say, well, we're not a military power. And if you have again, if you go talk to people like American troops or uh, British troops or wherever within NATO, Canadian military forces are exceptionally highly regarded absolutely like, among the best and that's not me being jingoistic like you can go and talk to an american service personnel and uh, whichever service you know navy army air force they'll say canadians 
top notch. And that's not because they train with us, they work with us seamlessly. And you go anywhere. So, you know, for her to say that, especially given how the government has in the past seven years has really not helped out the Canadian military, that's where I think the the underlying, you know, basis of a lot of these kind of disagreements with her uh, come from. So the comment that she made, um, is it a recognition on the global stage that the way we're looked at by other countries is not what it used to be? And she's trying to say, hey, listen, we're still involved. We're still a player. Or is it to the home audience saying, you know what, we're still an important player on the global stage? Or is it a bit of both? I would say it's more to us as Canadians. I think it's trying to cover up some pretty glaring deficiencies that have gone on, right? Like, this is a government, for example, uh, in 2017, they put together Strong, Secure, and Engage, their defense white paper. And they had said, oh, we're going to make, we're going to get to 2% of GDP for defense spending sometime Mm -hmm. at late 2020s. And recently it's come to light that there's basically been $10 billion that have not been put into the, into the military that had been promised in SSE over the past five years. You know, that's a huge amount of money at a time when the Canadian forces were like expecting this, uh, this money to you know, basically replace all outdated equipment, uh, modernize the forces for this new kind of warfare that we're seeing and being, that's being developed. And that's, you know, they, that they're trying to cover, I, I wouldn't say cover up, but I, I, governments of all stripes have, have kind of played up Canada's role internationally when we're really not seen as being very much as a, a big player. The only time you could honestly say that in the past 30 years was during Afghanistan, where Canada did play a pretty you know front, front and center role. But besides that, there's been constant cases where Canada comes to the table and says, well, we're, you know, we're here, we're going to do stuff. It's like, well, what are you actually bringing? And the government, you know, the U.S. government or NATO or whatever sees that, and they're like, no, that that might work for your domestic audience to say that you're doing something, but that's nothing. Like, that's that's a very small contribution. And and that's what I think they're trying to do, again, is, is to show that, oh, we're, do, we're here, we're playing a, be a part, you know, we're the, the country that country uh, Western states go to talk to Ukraine. It's like, no, they can talk to Ukraine themselves. You know, they have that. Yeah. They have that ability. It's not, it's not, we're not a linchpin to this process. Um, now, you talk about government spending, and, and now in light of this latest conflict and the fact that, and I think you're right, you know, uh, Canada's been exposed for, you know, not being at the table when it comes to NATO. There is talk that, once again, we're going to go to 2%. So maybe this will be something that pushes us in a direction where we can be more prominent, you know, in these next discussions, God forbid they happen again. Yeah, but if we were to just look at ourselves, again, if we have to look outside, and I mean, this seems to be a common trend I'm saying here. If you look at what's happening in Germany, and if you look at what's happening in Sweden, countries that are now confronted brutally with the threat of, of what's going on in Ukraine by Russia, right? They've, yeah. all, they've all basically committed to hit 2%, not just in some time in the future, like within two years in Germany's case, right? You had Germany basically throw off its neutral foreign policy and say, we're going to give arms. We're going to give a crap ton of arms, excuse my language, to to the Ukrainians to fight, uh, fight, uh, to fight the Russians. And that, I think, is really, you know, indicative of how, uh, how, this is, how the views have changed among NATO nations. So for us just to get to 2%, that's kind of like, that's the average. That's, that's you know, that, yeah, that just exactly. makes, you know, meet the lowest bar, right, <laughs> that we met you, right? 
Uh, and and if you look, if you understand where the Canadian forces are, they need more than two percent for a while because we've deferred a lot of the replacement programs and the um, uh, modernization that's required to keep us modern and current with a lot of those that are going on with their allies. That two percent may not be sufficient. It may have to go further in order to meet a lot of these, you know. These, these things that we've kind of put off for so long. Well, that only makes sense, Richard, exactly. I mean, if you're playing catch-up, you can't do the bare minimum to try and maintain. You're going to have to actually go over and above the maintenance level. That makes perfect sense. Oh, it's, it's just because as things get older, they get co- more costly to maintain and replace. Yep. Uh, it's called the bow wave effect. Uh, basically, it's like a big hump that you have to go over because you keep pushing it off, pushing it off, and you have to go over the hump, right? And sense, yeah. in this case, it's, it's that it's getting so significant. I mean, you look at their fighter force, which is is in shambles. Like it's uh, this is a government that delayed a replacement. Now we're at eight years, I guess seven years, right? Most countries at did, least. Like if you look at Finland, yeah. If you no, I'm saying just just this government, right? They yeah. Oh, this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so you know, had they made a re- decision in the time that most countries took, like Switzerland, Finland, uh, the uh, even the Germans, they they all did it in under four years. And they've made a decision, and they've chosen a they've chosen their replacement. They all chose the F thirty five, right for for acquisition, and it's done, right. And yeah. so they're going to get a replacement in that time. Whereas us, we're looking at keeping our CF 18s till about twenty thirty. Some of them will remain in service, you know, for over for coming up to fifty years. That's just you know the maintenance cost on that is, is ridiculous. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So um, and that's there's a whole bunch of other equipment that basically needs replacement now and they're just not getting it so yeah and we're far behind richard uh, good stuff thanks so much for joining us i appreciate your time my pleasure